Welcome to the Light on Being podcast. I am the host, Claire Zavko. The Light on Being podcast is dedicated to growth and transformation through conscious talks and conversation. It is time to remember our value, step into our wholeness, and live life fully. Join me monthly on every full moon for practical techniques, radical insight, and conversations with entrepreneurs, teachers, healers, and spiritual leaders. I'm excited. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Light on Being podcast. I'm excited today. I'm here with Jennifer Grace, who we'll get to introducing in a moment. But first, let's just come into this moment. So let's start with a mindful minute. Wherever you're at, just take a moment to settle into your seat. As long as you're not driving, feel free to close your eyes and just allow any fidgets to move through your body and bring your awareness down to your feet. Feel your feet connected to the earth. Notice the floor beneath you and what it feels like today. Notice whatever you're seated on and what it feels like. Allow the spine to be long. Soften the shoulders, soften the face. Take a deep breath in, deep breath out. Two more conscious breaths on your own. As you keep an awareness of you and your body, Also let your awareness start to expand. Notice anything around you, any sounds, the temperature, any other beings, any other people, any pets, any birds. Notice any scent. Notice any light. And then whenever you're ready, open your eyes and come into this space. So here I am with Jennifer Grace in her backyard on a beautiful, beautiful afternoon or evening. We're just playing like we're in Costa Rica. (laughs) So you might hear some nature sounds in the back. So today I'm here with Jennifer Grace, who I'm so excited to speak with and share with and One of my favorite things about Jennifer Grace is the way she shows up for life. And when I think of Jennifer, what I think of is someone who is extremely loving and caring and inspiring and welcoming and loves to collaborate and an encourager. And just from being in your presence, I get lit up. Like I just am ready to go get the world. And that is someone that's fun to be around and so you're so fun so not only do we just you know get inspired and lit up but we have a lot of fun while we're doing it so that's what excites me about being with you and around you and I'm honored for this time together that we get to share and chat thank you yes thank you for being here absolutely so that being said can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do in this world sure um I started this work 10 years ago, so it's been a decade that I have been um, 
teaching, transformational mindfulness, emotional intelligence tools. Uh, the course that I teach comes from Stanford University. It's a master's degree course in transformation. And I've been teaching it um, for a decade. And then four years ago, I was promoted to be the lead train the trainer. So I also have 50 plus plus coaches trained under me. And it's been uh, created into 10 different languages. It's in 10 different countries. We just created it for the school system. So it's it's amazing program. And I'm also an author. I wrote a book uh, back in 2013 called Directing Your Destiny. It's published by Hay House. I was also really lucky that they gave me a, a radio show. So I was sandwiched in between Wayne Dyer and Esther Hicks for three years. And that was an amazing opportunity to take my work out internationally. And I'm on my second book now called Drop the Rope, The Power of Letting Shit Go. Can we curse on here? <laughs> no <laughs> problem. G-rated. <laughs> Can't Claire. wait to read that book. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's one and I and I run retreats like with you <laughs> and all over the world, which is a, the best part of my job. And so basically I work with seekers who are trying to figure out, you know, what their purpose is, what the next best chapter of their life looks like and give them lots of tools and clarity on that. And then I also work with leaders. I have a Conscious Influencers Academy where I help leaders um, really define who they are, create signature programs, write their books, talks, run retreats, and just, you know, help them really be the change they wish to see in the world. And so that's what I do. Amazing. And I'm a mom of an awesome 18-year-old, and I have an incredible life partner, Sev, who I live with in Fort Lauderdale. Amazing. Yeah. You have done incredible things. You continue to do incredible things. And there's something about you that you're able to manifest whatever you want. And that's what I want to chat about today. Yes. And effortless manifestation. That's it, our topic. Exactly. Which <laughs> happens to be what we call our co-retreat as well. Yes. So like, let's just start with that, that you're doing a lot. But what is the way you're being behind the things you're doing? Yeah. Um, so just to even before for a look at what I'm doing behind what I'm being and manifesting, I think it's interesting to even look at that effortless manifestation and the word effort, because there there is efforting, right? There are things that we do to create movement and momentum. Um, and then the last part <laughs> is is really the surrender. Mm -hmm. Right. And the grace. So I always talk about, you know, will and grace will that, you know, the effort and the action and the clarity and those intentions and whatever those action steps are. But then the grace is the less where you just kind of do and then let go and do and let go. There's such a trust in effortless manifestation, a trust in the process uh, in timing and it's a lot about focusing on the what not the how it's all gonna happen and so this is all very high level that I'm saying right now um, but I think it's you know interesting you pose this to me 
for me to, to go deeper to look at how I'm able to create extraordinary results um, and it seems really effortless. I think to talk in an example would make it clear for the audience. Um, so one really recent amazing example, which I am like floored by, even I get so in awe by my own effortless manifestation and I hope I always do. I am always humbled by the fact that I have declared something and then it arrives, you know, like I hope I never <laughs> get to the point where I go, oh yeah, well of course, <laughs> of course it's here, yes, I'm so magical. Um, so three years ago during a gratitude training, or maybe it was only two, it was uh, July 2016, so I guess that's what, almost three years, right? Almost, yep, three, almost years three years ago, I declared to a team of 44 people that I was going to redesign my uh, CIJ program from Stanford for kids and teens. And I was going to get it into every single school system in the world. Like that was my declaration. And um, a lot of itty bitty shitty committee could come up in my own head and, and others saying, oh gosh, you know, the school systems, the education system, and there's so much red tape and, you know, it's not an easy thing to do that. And that's, you know, almost like crazy. Like it's just wild to make that declaration. Um, but I made it. And at the same time, that I declared it, I also declared, and um, they're going to come to me, and I don't know how. I am not picking up the phone. I am not calling one single school and telling them about my program. Incredible. So, and it's really cool because I have 44 people that witness that. And this morning I called up, okay, I'm crying. <laughs> Because it's that amazing. It's so amazing. Yeah. Because it's so right now, it's happening. And I called up Michael Hill, who's my best friend from the training. And I said, remember that day that I declared that? And I said, yeah. And I said, well, it happened, you know. And so basically, I knew my job was, my effort was just to basically put my head down and do the first thing that was in front of me, which was just to redesign the training. And I always collaborate and I called in other trainers that I had trained in the adult program and I said, you know what, you guys, I need help. Let's all grab a group. You take teen boys, I'll take teen girls, you do third graders, you do foster care kids, you do, and we all took like a demographic and um, I created the curriculum and then I got them in a training online and I trained them and then each week they delivered this redesigned, um, what's the word when you make something, not smaller, but accommodated mm -hmm. uh, the training, because this is a master's degree program for adults into digestible material for children. Um, and then we all practiced on our kids and the results were astounding. Mm. So first I just created the training, then I trained the trainers, and then I said, okay, I'm done. You guys go. And I sat just with the intention that this would be in every school system worldwide. Mm. But I wasn't gonna do anything more about it. That was it. 
That was the work that I was willing and able and capable of doing. I had a lot on my plate. I have a son, a partner, clients, all of the trainings, everything going on. And I knew that that was my piece. And I said to the trainers that were trained, I said, okay, now you guys go. So about a year into it, I kept training trainers, just doing that, keeping my head down, training trainers. Um, one woman, Janet Namaste, came into my training and, um, another woman, Angela and Susan, and one was a principal, one was a teacher, and one was already a mindfulness coach. They were already in the school system, so they had the in. And they brought the program in. Um, they did evidence-based data. And in Angela and Susan's school, with the third graders, 24 third graders, the kids that did our eight-week program had the highest test scores in the entire district. Um, and then the superintendent then recognized that it was from our program. And then Janet got it into her school system where she was always already doing some mindfulness work, did the full program with 12 teenage girls who were the toughest girls in the entire school. Two of them were not going to graduate. They were getting like in big trouble. They were failing. These were the bully girls. These were the tough girls in eight weeks, completely turned them around. Both girls graduated, the behavior went down, the grades went up, and it was extraordinary, right? Wow. And I said, wow, we got it in the New York Department of Education, now accepted. Now Janet, you know, is getting paid, Susan's getting paid, like now they proved it, and they're getting paid to do this work. And more schools are going to be catching on in New York. And But I still said, okay, great, that was it. And then um, a friend of mine who's down here, and she's a city commissioner, and she had heard what had happened. She said, I'd like to bring you in front of the commissioners here. I said, sure, I'll go in front of the commissioners. Still didn't pick up the phone. Went a few weeks ago. I told them, just gave them results. I had had letters from Susan and Janet and Angela. Just handed it out. It was maybe 30-minute meeting. And I said, I've got tons of trainers out here. If you want us, great. And they said, we've got 16 schools. I said, great, give me a call. I did not follow up. I said, give me a call if you want to do this program. Didn't make a phone call. Two weeks go by. Just got an email this Friday from the chief uh, academic officer who is in charge of all Broward County schools, not just 16 schools, all of the schools and the superintendent of all of the schools, and they want our program. Wow. So now Monday morning, 8.30 a.m., I've got a meeting with them. Yeah, incredible. And it's just like, you know, it's being so clear. Now, if I now rewind to say, how did I do this, right? Being so clear and so unattached. Mm. Those are two key things. And I'm and I'm so excited for this conversation because I'm learning and discovering like having this laid out on the table going, OK, what what did I do? OK, I was super clear. Um, I collaborated. I didn't try to do it alone. I was unattached to the the intention, um, but certain that it would happen. Mm and trusting that it would happen in its divine timing and clear of what I was willing to do and not willing to do to have it happen. And I think sometimes when people go after things, 
that they become so consumed and so exhausted and so white knuckled clenched to this having it happen a certain way. And it's like coming from sometimes a space of insecurity that they need maybe acknowledgement or they have to prove something. I don't have anything to prove. Mm -hmm. So there's something inside of me that doesn't need admiration. Like I'm also not doing it. I want to be the leader, like Lao Zhao says, that when they arrive, they think they did it themselves. I want my trainers to be able to have the opportunities. I don't need the glow. Like this is legacy work, but it's all of our legacy work. This doesn't have to be the Jennifer Grace show, you know? Yeah, you've empowered them. Yeah, so no ego, unattached, super clear, very committed, focusing on the what, not the how, and boundaries of what I will and will not do. Incredible. And just impacting change from what you've set up and what you've put out and released into the universe. Yep. And when I hear you share your story, I hear this beautiful balance of being and doing, or as you called it, of will and grace, that there's a certain amount of action and doing that's required. And then there's some reciprocal inaction that's required of letting the divine take care of the The details, details, right? We love that. Exactly. my favorite phrase. And what really came up too when you shared your story was the detachment. And when I say detachment, I'm not meaning that you don't care, Mm -hmm. but meaning detached of how and how it looks like and how important that is. How has ruined splendid plans and dreams again and again, because I see this all the time. My students have these incredible dreams and goals and visions, and then it follows up with the itty bitty shitty committee coming out going, yeah, but I don't know how. I don't know how to transform the educational system of the United States and worldwide. I don't know how to do that. Yes. And then it can just shut people down. Totally. But I certainly, but I'm saying I really don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm making that okay. You know, like people make themselves wrong that they don't know how and that, that they are then not capable. Mm. So I don't need to know how to do something. Yes. I will just trust that the people that do know how will come and be with me. You know, exactly. we, that's the biggest thing is like, here's a great tool that I use often is the, the six stages of the creative process, right? This is something out of my Stanford program. It's not great idea success. You know, you see other people out there have the great idea to write a book and then it's on the shelves at Barnes and Noble. So like you, great idea to open a yoga studio and you're doing it and people look at us like wow you know they just did it but it really goes through a six stage process you know stage one is a great idea stage two is 99.999 percent of the time you will hit the brick wall of frustration things don't go as planned that's when you have to let go of the expectation of how you thought it was going to show up but focus on the what your idea Mm -hmm. right and it requires trust to not need to know how. So that model has always stayed with me. Then you go into incubation, you actually walk away from it, right? You just say, okay, I don't know how, I don't know how this is gonna happen and maybe this is gonna be challenging, but I'm gonna walk away. Then you come in and strategize, you bring in allies, you can brainstorm, you can do something physical, you can do something spiritual. Like I brainstorm with my trainers, right? 
and then you'll have your breakthrough. Boom, Janet got into the New York stool system, so did Angela and Susan, and then you celebrate when it's in the first school, you know, and then you start again, like, I've got this call, great idea. Well, there may be some brick walls of frustration getting this program in the Broward Accounting School System, maybe around funding, like who knows, but I'm not attached to it. Let go of the expectation, go into the flow. So anyway, that's something that I use too for effortless manifestation is knowing that hitting brick walls of frustration are part of the process and that you need to incubate and use allies. Yes. That's another thing I use and, a lot. And as you shared, it reminds me of the experience of uh, purchasing the yoga studio when that opportunity rose, arose yep. almost three years ago that I felt deep in my core when the opportunity arose that that's the step I needed to take. But I truly had no idea how to do it. I had never run a yoga studio before. I didn't even have a desire to own or run a yoga studio before. I didn't know the first thing, but I really felt the intention of this is what needs to happen. And I'd say it was probably one of the first times in my life that I was okay with not knowing the how and coming mm. from such a logical background and coming from such a thinker. I love to think and analyze, but there was something about that I'd been prepared in that moment to finally for once on a big level, let go of the how. And I remember, so I, I do it, purchase studio, we switch ownership, all that. And now this is September, 2016. And I remember the biggest thing I saw and witnessed in that first month and realized that I was, didn't expect was how supported I was, that I was supported by the previous owner. I was supported by the community. I was supported by the students that everyone wanted me, which meant the studio to succeed. Yeah. So it was like, wow, I don't have to do it all. And what I can do is teach and empower others to step into their greatness and into their power. And that's what it's all about. Yes. That a one-man show isn't that interesting. No. That, that, you know, we're a tribe here. We're yes. all here to succeed. We're all here to do our best and shine bright. And it was beautiful to, to viscerally see and experience that firsthand that I don't have to do it all. And there was so much release and peace mm. in that. And, totally. and that I could just let the studio take care of itself, and it has, and, and the studio has taken on a life of its own, and it's a living, breathing thing that we all care about. Yep. And, and it's effortless. Yeah. It really is. There's, it hasn't been a burden. Right. There's some story that somebody made up a long time ago, you know, that you got to do it on your own. Like, <laughs> especially with women, I find a lot. They're like, what? I can ask for support? So many, I'm so good at asking for support. That's another trick to effortless manifestation <laughs> is, is asking for support, building team. Even when I couldn't afford a team, I was always super creative on how can I enroll people to support me and then give them something back, whether it was interns taking my classes and in exchange, you know, doing social media or marketing for me, whatever it was, like, I've always had at least anywhere from two to 10 people helping me at all times. When I wrote mm -hmm. my book proposal, yeah, I got accepted by Hay House. You know why? I had 10 people help me with that book proposal. I didn't write it by myself. And I think that stops. Like even writing a book, people are like, how'd you write the book? I'm like, I had two editors. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't write this book alone. I don't do anything alone. Mm. Yes, that's beautiful just to highlight the importance of it takes a village to do whatever Anything. we seek to do. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. And it's so much more fun, I think, collaborating. And, and here's another interesting thing. It's like, 
I think there's always been that like, you know, you've got to overcome your weaknesses. You know, effortless manifestation is about focusing on your strengths and bringing in others that have the strengths that you don't have. So you don't have to overcome your weaknesses. That's exhausting. Yes, exactly. Who has time for that? Yeah. It reminds me, and one thing I want to credit you um, with is like when we were on our last effortless manifestation retreat a few months ago, at that point I had set the intention and I was clear around the beginning of January that a podcast needed to, to occur. Yep. However, at that retreat, I didn't know the details. I no. had no idea what it was going to be called. I didn't know the structure of it. I didn't know the vision. I didn't know anything. I just know podcast needed to occur. And it was the space, though, that you created that this stuff started to to show up and reveal yep. itself. And there was one exercise in particular, and it was when you had us go on the nature walk, when we went on the oldest road in Florida mm-hmm. and spent some time in silence and yep. connecting with the trees and just connecting with that moment. So um, what I wanna kind of get into about that is that you have certain tools and techniques that you use to develop and, and for a person to connect to their own creativity yes. and their own inspiration and their own intuition. So can you speak to the importance of when you're seeking to manifest, whatever you're seeking to manifest, that taking that time, space, silence, stillness, whatever it is, to connect to the inner creativity and why that's important? Yeah. And I think this, the step one of effortless manifestation is first figuring out what it is that you want to manifest. Because when you are crystal clear, it shows up the next day. Like, it's crazy. But most people are walking around unclear about what even is their gift or how they want to share with the world or they're very bogged down by judgment. But I think we start with clarity. Clarity is key. And so the three, you know, we're all born with intuition. Scientifically, this is proven. But it is also shown that unless you exercise the intuitive muscle you will not be able to access it so readily right so there are three practices that they've shown that is a direct access to your voice of wisdom to your creativity um, which is mindfulness taking time alone in nature meditation and journaling So if you're at this space that you either are at the precipice of, I know that there's something more for me, I don't know what it is, these practices work. Or if you have declared what it is, but you're not sure of the how, it's not going to happen by trying to rack your mind. It's going to happen in the quiet, in the stillness, where you're not striving for the answer. Um... Somebody said to a student said a line to me. She's hardly a student. She spent like 20 years in an ashram. She should be my teacher, but she is my student right now. (laughs) I love when my teachers are my students first. I'm like, okay, it's great you're in my class, Claire, as one of them. And can you now be my teacher? Um, And let me hope I can say this right because it was pretty profound. She said, um, stop trying to think the thought, just let the thought come. Right? So, when we're in that state of thinking, oh, let me think, how can I get out of this brick wall of frustration? How can I think? What is my purpose? I got to think about it. What is it? Don't try to think it. Let the thought come. So when does the thought come is when you're not trying to think. Those are when you are in the presence of nature. 
and you are focused on the wind. You're focused on the sound of the bird. You're focused on, you know, the, the dewdrop on the leaf. You're focused on the smell of the flower. When you are transferring, you know, onto nature and just beingness, then the thought comes, and I like to call them downloads, right? You get these downloads. And one of our greatest teachers is Michael Singer, um, who is a part of our retreats. And he downloaded an idea that became a billion-dollar idea, but he wasn't trying to think of a billion-dollar idea. He was meditating, and he just let that thought come in. Mindfulness, taking time alone in nature, focusing on what you're seeing, smelling, touching, tasting, going on nature walks, watching the sunset, beach walks, going on hikes in the mountains, all of these things will create space for your creativity to come forth, for wisdom to be downloaded from the universe, to mix with your own wisdom. Meditation is another practice where you're silencing the mind. Now, of course, your mind isn't going to stop when you meditate, but the practice is to slow the thoughts down, to create a space in between the thoughts so that in those moments, you know, like later, it usually happens later when you're, when you're managing your mind and you're training your mind in the brain gym every morning, to come back to the moment and start, stop with the obsessive thinking of future and past, then often we'll just kind of be in the shower or running and then it comes in because we're creating space in the mind during meditation practice. And then journaling. You know, all those thoughts going round and round and round and round in our heads, it's literally impossible to make any sense of them. But the second you put pen to paper being five minutes a day of just download, you know, just emptying the mind onto the page. It creates space for new thoughts to come. It's like a crowded closet, right? Like how can you put any new clothes in there if that, I've never made this analogy. It's kind of funny. <laughs> if there's so much clothes, it's like take, clean the closet out, you know, and then there's like room. Wow, here's a great new idea for a new movement I want to start, a non-for-profit, a revenue, whatever. It's like, get the clothes out of the closet. And also when you're journaling, you become the objective observer of your thoughts. When they're in your head, they're too close for you to make any sense of them. But when you put them on a paper, now you're like literally, you're outside of your thoughts and you get to look at them Oh, this is cloudy. This is confusing. Oh, now it's getting clearer and clearer as you write and write. And a prescription for my students is, you know, once a week. Take a 15-minute mindfulness walk on the beach. You know, eat a meal, cook a meal with no phone, no computer, no music. Just be one with the food, you know. Feel the steam coming off the soup. Feel the, the way your arm cuts the carrots or... When you're on the beach or at the park, you know, anytime thoughts of past and future come in, just listen to the birds, feel the sand in your feet. Meditation, minimum 10 minutes a day, but start with that, following your breath in and out. Pick a mantra like in, out, or here, now. And journaling, just first thing in the morning, put all your thoughts on the page for five minutes and just see what happens. 
and they're practices you know it doesn't happen if you do it once like yoga you're not going to walk in a yoga studio do one class and be able to put your you know your foot over your head exactly you're not going to download billion dollar ideas if you just journal once and go on a beach walk like yes <laughs> there's practice for the real brilliance to to come in you need space yes they're the life practices yes that one can choose on this path and, and do in any order in any time in any way that you wish to people are like well what's the secret formula i don't know here's <laughs> the tools you try meditation in the morning and journaling in the evening or you try going to the beach and doing both at the same time like test it out different times of days different settings yes and that's ex I, I love the sentiment you said about your your student teacher that shared that to just stop trying to think think it out but let the thought come to you yeah and that's exactly what i experienced when we were on the nature walk on that road that i was clear going into the walk i'm just going to open up to the details of the podcast yeah but i'm not going to think about it right. i am going to really look at the tree i'm really going to yeah. feel the tree i'm going to smell the grass i'm going to hear the bird and over that 30 minutes or an hour we went on that walk all of it was revealed all, all of, of it, it just suddenly popped into my head at the most random of times yep and even like in our logo there's a bird and it came from a moment when i heard a bird flying through and saw the bird and i saw the bird and thought wow that bird is so free it's just being and that's i need in my logo the essence of that being displayed so then now there's this bird just being free in the logo yeah. and it just came i love that so beautiful um so I want to talk too about those specific techniques you talked about journaling and meditation. And first, let's just talk about journaling a little bit. So for someone listening that maybe never has ever journaled, like if right now they wanted to pause and journal, how would you guide them right now to just yep. start? I would just say put pen to paper, set your timer for five minutes and just write first thoughts, stream of consciousness. Don't pick up the pen, pause, or think. Just write whatever weird, crazy, bizarre stuff comes out of you. It may be, you know, what you dreamed of last night, your to-do list, what you're pissed off about. It could be just what happened in your day. With no expectations and no judgment, just write. And if you're not sure what to write, write the last sentence that you just wrote again and again until a new sentence comes. And just try that first. Um, I also love prompt writing and that's where you put something at the top of the page and you respond to it like you know what am I feeling what I'm feeling right now is or the real truth is and you can go you know online they're happy I have journal prompts if anybody wants to email me <laughs> um, but you can just go online and put in journal prompts I also think it's fun when you're at a crossroads and you're not sure what to do about something. Just write, I'm not sure what to do about X, Y, or Z at the top of the page at night. Surrender it. Go to sleep. Let it work in the unconscious. And when you wake up, just start writing and you'll probably have the answer. I also do that for creative ideas like what should be the name of this? And I just go to sleep and in the morning, boom, there's the answer. I love that. I love that they're simple and they're tangible. Yeah, very so, tangible. So, like, let's have a check-in here. That if you're able to pause the podcast in this moment and you're not driving, do that. Get out something to write with. Get a piece of paper. Get a pen. 
and whatever is coming up for you in this moment for the next five minutes, just write it out. See what comes up. And you can start with that prompt. What's coming up for me now is, and just write that on the top of your page. What's coming up for me right now is. So take some minutes to do that. Pause the podcast. And we're back. And here we are. We're back. (laughs) So now let's shift to meditation. Let's talk about meditation. So you meditate. I meditate. That is definitely a foundation of our beingness. So where does one begin if they're if they haven't meditated or maybe they meditate sporadically one how have you seen it shift all the things you're doing and the effortless manifestation you're experiencing and then also how does someone start yeah um well first what i noticed in the beginning when i started meditating uh was that i shifted from being a reactor to a responder Um, and Cole was quite young when I started my practice and I would notice like before, if he would do something, I would be like, my temper was shorter, you know, I had less patience, you know, or if something would, something would happen with somebody or traffic, or I would just get more agitated quickly. So I noticed the softening in, oh, like this is what's happening right now. Like I was able to step outside of the scene of him, you know, taking my favorite something and breaking it like, Oh wow, this has just happened. Curiosity because I had been in the cushion that morning being curious about my mind, being detached from my thoughts. So that started translating of like, Oh, I'm in dead stop traffic. How interesting that I'm feeling a little agitation here and I actually could choose to put a podcast on unfortunately your podcast was not available at that time <laughs> um, or I could be angry like it, it was almost like I was the outside observer of my life and when chaos crisis challenge would strike I still was that observer because I was practicing so much observing my mind that I became so keen at observing life. So I would go first into observation and then because there was a pause, I could choose. Am I going to react or respond? There was a space to even like make a choice. So that was huge. Um, I mean, I was more grounded. I noticed that I would walk through the world less, you know, frazzled. You know, imagine starting your day like most of the world, getting up late for work, rushing around, getting your kids in the car, being, you know, like downing the breakfast versus being super intentional to create this mindful experience prior to even waking up my child. (laughs) You know, waking up like, Cole, we overslept. Like, let's go. We got to get to school and don't do this and da-da-da. And we're going to eat in the car versus me waking up 30 minutes earlier, putting on relaxing music, getting my aromatherapy, spending some time just following my breath, making myself something to eat, and then very gently waking up my son, you know, having things ready for him, calmly getting into the car So it's like my whole life would flow then. I was creating a whole other landscape because my internal landscape was not chaotic. Yes. Like that's what it sounds like, that 
you chose to start making the decision to take this time for you first yep. and set up a state of being that was spacious, right. that was aware, that yeah. was open, that was yeah. observing, that maybe still some days you oh, would I'm be running, say, you would be running late. And Don't when, think I'm <laughs> super grace, okay? Like that would happen most of the time. Yeah. And then some of the time I would, and it was great contrast. And then though you'd be able to see it. I'd be when, like, oh when my gosh. those crazy days, you'd know you were having a crazy day. Totally. And it reminds me of the teaching that Michael Singer speaks a lot about that to realize we're not the thought, we're simply the observer of the thought. And so during meditation, we get to again and again and again witness that. Yeah, totally. So those were benefits. Um, clarity was a huge benefit. Um, I started really getting who am I what is my purpose like because I took time to stop all the outward distractions uh, particularly when I started meditating I was coming out of a divorce I was coming out of two years of starting six companies making six logos six websites because I was in a panic to figure out what my life's purpose was so I asked everybody else outside of me and I would say, Claire, what do you think I should be? And what do you think I should be? And this person was like, oh, I'm a photographer. You'd be great as my manager. Oh, okay, let me do that. And then this person was like, well, I'm running a non-for-profit for cervical cancer, and it's this cool project. Do you want to join me? Oh, okay, I could be good at that. And I just listened to what everybody else thought I would be good at, exhausted all of my time, energy, money, resources, where I was completely depleted, almost had a freaking fracking nervous breakdown, wound up in therapy, and that was, thank God, Jessica, Dr. Jessica Gervitt, who was very based in meditation, introduced me to Shambhala. Mm. And when I went in, instead of looking outward, the answers were clear. Yes. This is who I am. That the only way out is in. The only way out is in. And it was really uncomfortable. I remember... Oh, doing that beginning work and reading Pema Chodron's book, uh, When Things Fall Apart, you know, and really having to look at who I was showing up as and the things that I wasn't proud of that I did during my divorce and the good, the bad and the ugly. And I faced it all. And it was super uncomfortable because usually we are distracting because we don't want to feel the feelings right and so those first few weeks it was anxiety <laughs> you know it's like it takes great courage to be with your thoughts <laughs> and yourself you know they talk about fearlessness it's not the absence of fear it's the presence of bravery and so much of the Shambhala lineage is about cultivating the warrior within the courage to sit in the fire to be uncomfortable and life is really uncomfortable. So if you could sit with yourself every day for 10 minutes and your own crazy thoughts and your anxiousness and your worry and all that, cause that's what it's like in the beginning guys, going on a spiritual path and waking up is not a freaking butterfly walk in the park. It's it, you facing your demons and yourself in the beginning. And that's why you want to do it with, a coach, a therapist, a tribe, a yoga studio. You don't want to go on this path alone. I know I'm making it sound really juicy. But then I got to the other side so quickly. What took me two years of floundering, within weeks, I was clearing stuff and on my path. 
Yes, and and that's the beauty of meditation that I think is a um, is a myth out there that people may not realize yet that meditation isn't as you've highlighted through what you've shared. It's not stopping your thoughts. It's not avoiding the thoughts. It's not needing any other thoughts than whatever is arising. But again, you sitting in this space of observer, you yeah. just watching whatever is coming up. And the more you keep carving out intentional time for you to watch that, it starts to slow down. Now there's a little more space between all the thoughts yeah. and there's more of those gaps. Yeah. And then now there's, releasing and now there's time and space for downloads to come in sure eventually sure it's a beautiful process but it takes commitment it takes choosing intentionally to show up even on those days when we're tired when we don't want to when life is crazy and chaotic but continually showing up because really the only person we're showing up for is ourself Mm -hmm. or not if we yeah. choose not to meditate, then we're not showing up for ourselves. And if we're not showing up for ourselves, how can we show up fully in the world? Yeah, we can't. Totally. Right. So that being said, could you in this moment just guide us through a brief yeah, meditation? Absolutely. All right. So unless you're driving <laughs> or you can pull over, pull over, <laughs> sit up uh, nice and tall and take your back away from the chair if you're sitting in a chair so that you're not going to fall asleep and make sure your feet both feet are down on the ground if possible or if you're sitting on the floor cross your legs close your eyes imagine a golden string pulling you skyward place your hands down on your thighs for grounding or up for receiving check in to see what your intuition is asking of you right now place your tongue on the back of your two front teeth and very slightly tilt your chin down and start following your breath all the way in silently saying here and all the way out silently saying now here on the inhale now on the exhale if a thought comes in your job is to not let it go for more than one sentence and come back to the breath come back to the mantra here on the inhale now on the exhale Just do this for a few more moments. ready very gently come back and open your eyes so that's it that's meditation pretty easy peasy lemon squeezy thank you thank you so much this was just wonderful and I really enjoyed kind of breaking it down and getting down to how yeah actually this effortless manifestation is happening and continues to happen so 
thank you for you and being who you are mm -hmm. and your time and your effortless energy and your continued support of me. And I just really appreciate you and our friendship and our continued collaboration. And I look forward to all the things that we'll continue to create and manifest effortlessly. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And can I give your audience a gift? Of course. Great. So I have my favorite meditation is a meditation where you get to go visit yourself in the future 20 years from now. And it's a quantum leap where according to quantum physics, the past, present and future is all happening simultaneously. It's one big now. So right now you guys are listening to my podcast or Claire's podcast. And right now you're also 20 years older, wiser, been there, done that. And you have some wisdom. So think of a question that you want to ask your future self. And you can download this meditation on my website. It's jennifergrace.com. It's right there on the home page. Download the future self meditation and find some time where no one's home or you have some quiet space get your journal and a pen and think of a question that if you could ask this older wiser been there done that version of you that has the answer what is that question and it could be general like what's the next best step for me on my journey or it could be specific like what is my purpose or is this the right relationship for me press play Allow the meditation to guide you. And when you come out, journal everything your future self told you. Yes. yes. And I cannot highlight it enough. I've had the opportunity to do that meditation three or four times. And every time I receive exactly what I need. So I'll make sure to include her website in the show notes. Beautiful. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thanks Claire. So much. This was effortless. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe how fast it was. We're going to need a part two. I think there's more. We will. There will be future <laughs> seasons, future things to, yes. to discuss. And our retreat will be in January. It's always on MLK weekend. So if you're interested in coming with us and two talks with Michael Singer, um, you can reach out to Claire and get on the waiting list. Stay tuned. Yes, every MLK weekend in January to set your year off on a clear yeah. tone. Totally. All Bye. right. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Light on Being podcast. Like all things in time, this is an evolving living thing as we discover our wholeness and light together. I'm excited that you're along for the journey and I would love to connect with you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at lightonbeing. Send me a message with any comments or questions, and they may be addressed on an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast, the highest compliment that one can give is to share the episode with a friend or leave a review. Make sure to look up at the full moon and see her bright, radiant light. She is fully being.